Welcome to 5000 to 1, the Athletics Leicester City podcast. I'm your host, Rob Tanner. Joining me as ever is Leicester City legend and former skipper, Matt Elliott. And also today we have a special guest. He's a member of the side that won the championship at a canter and also pulled off the great escape to stay in the Premier League. And he was around the uh, the legends that went on to win the title as well. It's Dean Hammond. Welcome, Dean. Hi, Rob. How are you, mate? You OK? I'm good. Thank you very much. And Matt, how are you? Yeah, not too bad. Bearing up, Rob. Good to have Dean on board today and uh, looking forward to hearing about his time at Leicester City and the rest of his career. Yeah, absolutely. It's been quite a colourful uh, career, hasn't it, Dean? You look back on it now. Yeah, it's a career. I was very fortunate. Um, really enjoyed it. Unfortunately, like everything, it has to come to an end. But no, I love my playing career. Um, played with some great players and um, enjoyed some great times. So yeah, I'm very grateful. But has it come to an end, Dean? Because I understand you were making a little bit of a comeback in non-league. Well, it must have been the shortest comeback ever, I think. I, I trained for about three or four weeks um, at Worthing. Um, just, it was a, do you know what? It was the first time in probably two or three years I got the itch. And I thought, I, can I still move my feet? Can I still run around? So I known a manager at Worthing. I went back in and trained for three or four weeks. I ended up signing. And then, you know, the season got called off. So, yeah, shortest comeback ever, I think. It's probably about the third time I've retired, I think. So, I think someone's trying to tell me something. I was going to say, Dean, do you remember in the summer I contacted you yeah. trying to get him involved in a <laughs> in a, a close-season tournament at the King Power, funnily enough. And I got a phone call to be asked to be manager um, of putting a, a together a team of OGs. Do you know what that is, Rob? No. OGs, original gangsters. Right? <laughs> it, it's, it's the modern terminology. So it was all the old has-beens of my era, and we were playing against the younger opposition, all in their early 20s, so we needed some legs in the camp, and I got in touch with Sean St. Ledger and Dean, asked them to play, and I thought, that's it, we'll have a bit of an engine in there. And uh, lo and behold, who phones up? Two weeks to go. Matt, I've pulled my calf, I can't make it. It was Dean, <laughs> wasn't it? It was our engine room. <laughs> Left us right in the lurch, he did. It was a wise decision, mate, to be fair, because we got uh, absolutely battered that day. I was trying to get myself fit, wasn't I? I think it's something to do with Leicester, mate. I was at Leicester a long time. I must have pulled my calf about four or five times through my career there. So it was one of those things, but no. But was that something you had throughout your career, Dean? Or just, like you say, just at Leicester, unfortunately? No, it was... Um, it happened the year, the year we had the great escape. So I started the season I was playing um, and then got injured. I pulled my calf actually warming up on the sideline against, I think we played West Brom at home. And Nigel said, look, you're coming on last 20 minutes. So I went and do, done a warm-up. I pulled my calf warming up. So I limped back to the bench and he was like, right, you're getting ready. I was like, no, I'm going down the tunnel. I've pulled my calf. So I obviously couldn't go <laughs> oh, on there. Dear, then, that went down well. Yeah, yeah, I got the old look from Nigel, so that was good. Um, but no, um, and then I must have, I tried to come back three or four times and pulled it three or four times again in training um, and only got back towards the end of the season. Well, you played nearly 500 uh, professional games, Dean, and, and you say you still got the itch because you talk to some players and they, they know when it, they, they've had enough. They don't, I mean, I t- remember talking to you and Roberts, he was saying, yeah, when he, when he retired, he knew that was it. He, he was quite happy. He was looking forward to retirement. But some players just don't want to stop. Yeah, it's, it's a strange one for me, Rob, to be honest, because um, when I left Leicester, I went on loan to Sheffield United. That didn't work out. And I wasn't. I didn't finish playing due to the fact that um, there was any phys- anything physically wrong with me. I could still play. I felt fit. Do you know what? I was just Matt might be able to relate to this. I was just mentally drained. 
I'd been doing it since I was 16. I've been traveling. I'd had a great career. We just had another kid and I saw an opportunity to maybe take three or four months out of the game. And in hindsight, it's the worst thing I ever did because it's difficult to get back in then. Physically, I've always been okay. And then I'd done the loan manager role at Leicester and then I was playing for the 23s, which I enjoyed again. Then my wife had a back operation, so I had to look after the kids. So it's kind of never, I've never got to the point again where I've gone, right, okay, I could have a clear run at this. Um, and it was just recently that just, I don't know why it was, can't give you a reason, just had the itch and thought, you know what, I'm going to start training again and see if I can, but wasn't meant to be. Was it also an element of how it ended at Sheffield United? Because you, you got that strange situation where you went there under Nigel Atkins and then uh, Chris Wilder comes in and you uh, got a one-year extension on your contract and Chris puts you on the transfer list. Yeah, it was difficult. Like, there's no hiding away from it. At Sheffield United, I just didn't perform. I didn't perform. The, the, the team struggled. We was There was a lot of expectation. I was going there as a Premier League player from a Premier League club into League One, expected to do wonderful things. And, you know, I'm not really that type of player. I'm not really going to get bums off seats. I'm not really going to excite people. I'm more do my job well, probably more appreciated by players and managers than fans. So it just didn't quite go well for me. And I had the opportunity to to, to have a rest. We, like I said, we just had our, our, our youngest kid. And from a, I didn't follow other people's advice from agents and people in the game not to do it. And I just took some time and I just couldn't find the right thing to get back in and, and just drifted for a bit. So... Yeah, it was it was difficult, and I was in hindsight, I wish I hadn't done it now. But you can't change your past, can you? Unfortunately. Sorry, just jumping in there. It's a, it's a weird thing, retirement, isn't it? I mean, we could probably make that a whole episode in itself. You but <laughs> it, it, then you find, Dean, most players. I don't know about maybe your era, but maybe slightly different. It doesn't sound like you were, but towards the end of your career, certainly, you're constantly looking forward to that time when you retire. Yeah. <laughs> And it's bizarre, really, because deep down, you know, you're having the time of your life. You know how much you love playing football and, you know, the, the camaraderie, the, all the things that go with it. But a, a topical conversation regularly was, oh, I've only got a couple more years on my contract and then I can pack it all in. Uh, and it, it might seem strange to supporters, but that's I, I can sort of empathise with how Dean has mentioned there. He sort of burnt out a little bit and... You know, you're almost looking forward to the next step of your life. But then when you get there, you think, oh, what have I done? You know, the, yeah. it's uh, exactly I'd like to prolong that, it as long it? as I could. It's exactly that, mate. It's, it's, you, don't, you don't know or you don't know how good something is until you come away from it. And then you realise and you go, Christ, like, I, I knew I loved it. I knew I loved playing. Like you said, I loved being around the players, loved training, loved every bit of it. But until you come away from it, you don't really realise how lucky you are. And I missed that bit at the end. I used to, when I was younger, I used to see players, experienced players coming towards the end of the career. They'd be looking forward to retirement, but they'd still be enjoying it where they've got less pressure on themselves to play. They'd probably be on the bench, they'd play half the games. They'd be more relaxed in training. And I never did that. I kind of, I regretted that. I never had that part of my career where I was less, it was less about playing every week. And it was more about, okay, let's just enjoy being a footballer now. So I regret that because I think that was a, quite a, decent period to have in your career well let's go back to a decision you made to join uh, Leicester City in August 2013 I mean how did that move come about what did you think when Leicester City came in for you brilliant um, I was at Southampton I'd just been on loan at Brighton where we'd lost in the playoffs similar to Leicester um, I was back at Southampton 
um, under Pochettino. He'd kind of made it clear that I wasn't part of the plan. So I was training at Southampton. Um, I actually got injured in pre-season, unfortunately, and was recovering. But I got a phone call from um, Nigel, and obviously Nigel had been at Southampton. Um, so people spoke highly of him, um, said he was wanted me to join the club, was um, interested in signing me, and, and was I interested? And as soon as he rang, I spoke to Steve Walsh as well, um, and they kind of just sold me the club. It was a pretty easy decision for me, really, um, because I knew the quality of the squad. I knew how close they came last year. Um, and like I said, people spoke well of Nigel, so it was a pretty easy decision um, in the end. And actually, the only hardest decision was was that um, the negotiations between the two clubs and um, personal terms, because I actually had to take a, a bit of a, uh, a wage cut to come. Initially, it was going to be a loan deal, but I didn't want that. I wanted to sign permanently. Um, and then I, I just decided to take a wage cut because I knew I could see the... Uh, the ambition of the club and the quality of the club. So it turned out to be a really good decision in the end. Well, it's a club that was co- uh, really recovering from a massive shock with what happened at Watford. And uh, there was a lot of, uh, there's a dark cloud over the club during that summer because there was some suggestion that uh, the club might make a change in terms of um, leadership going forwards. And they were looking for, for some older heads, some experienced players to, to steady the ship. And I remember Kev Phillips was there, um, Gary Taylor Fletcher came in as well. You, you, you guys added a bit of, um, bit of knowledge. Well, I think that's right. And, I th- and Nigel kind of explained that to us. He didn't suggest that I wasn't going to play or wasn't going to be a regular, but he kind of more spoke about that he wanted, he needed to balance the dressing room, he needed to balance the team. There was some obviously talented players within the group, but there wasn't the right mix to um, really get a, achieve promotion. So, yeah, bringing myself in, Kevin Phillips, Gary Taylor Fletcher, uh, Vass came in from Poland. Um, I think it helped the squad. It just gave it a bit of know-how. Um, and yeah, it, it was it was made pretty clear to Nigel that that was a role that he, he wanted me to bring into. So I was quite comfortable with that. What about Nigel? What what was he really like? Because obviously I was in the media, so I see one side of him. But I didn't see what was uh, going on behind the curtain, so to speak. So what was Nigel like? And I'm sure, Matt, you've had some experiences with Nigel that um, you know the, the readers or the listeners wouldn't have uh, experienced or have knowledge of. Yeah, to, well, to a degree, but you were on the wrong side of Nigel, Rob. <laughs> and the media, <laughs> and the media he yeah, doesn't we sit well with, does he? For whatever reason. I mean... Again, D- Dean will know more about Nigel. He had more uh, experiences with him. Whenever I met Nigel, affable, amiable, friendly, and personable. Um, but that was obviously in a certain environment. You can, you know, he's got that determination about him. He's got that that drive. Um, he's got that cynicism about him. You know, you, you don't mess with him. He doesn't suffer fools, does he? But for some reason, he. To his own detriment, to an extent, you know the way he, he reacted in the media and his the heckles go up, don't they? And um, you know it's backfired on him on a few occasions, but I think overall, and I'm sure Dean will you know, reiterate this. You know his reputation as a manager is is right up there with you know the, the top class bracket, isn't it? And um, no surprise, long overdue that he's back in the Premier League at the moment. Totally, totally agree with what Matt said there. I mean, I love working under Nigel. Really, really enjoyed it. Um, he's honest. Um, he's got a presence about him. Um, he's a proper proper bloke, put it that way. Um, but his man management skills are really good with the players. He was just he was just honest with you. And I think 
I mean, Matt relates this. You just need honest managers. There's no point a manager telling you one thing and then doing something else. So, um, but I really enjoyed working under Nigel. Was he, he put trust in his uh, his coaching team in shapes and uh, Steve Walsh, and then when Kevin Phillips became a coach um, to get the players ready, and then he done the 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 more important details of picking the team and. Um, just being around training. Training always went up a standard when he was around the training pitch. Um, just his presence was felt. But no, I really enjoyed working under Nigel. And he's very approachable, easy to talk to, funny guy. So yeah, I enjoyed my time there. But yeah, he, he probably comes across a little bit different in the media. And, and like Matt said, I don't know why that is. It was quite a young side as well that you were joining. I mean, there was some uh, like Danny Drinkwater, Matty James, Anthony Knockhart, Mares came in uh, mid-season, didn't he? V- Vardy was just finding his feet as well. It was quite a blend there, but they're quite a youthful, inexperienced squad. There was, um, and you know, training was. It was almost. It was almost sometimes. It was more difficult during the week in training, uh, in games, in small-sided games, than it would be on a Saturday because you're playing against such quality players. And they just, once the team was settled and Nigel settled on the team pretty quickly, um, they got an understanding together, a real rhythm together. And them younger players have gone on to have obviously fantastic careers now and still playing. But you could see the talent of them. And I just, as soon as there was a change in them, that winning games consistently and the confidence changing, and I think they really believed or understood what it meant to win games and they could achieve something. And probably justified what good players they were in their own minds. Um, so, yeah, it was a real talented group, really, really talented group. Was there a moment in the season when it all clicked for them, where winning became a habit? Good question, Rob. Um, we were winning games quite consistently when, from when I got, I got there and obviously probably one of the reasons why I couldn't regularly get in the team. Um, I remember I remember the turn of year. We went to Brighton. I think we lost on uh, uh, mid-December, something like that. And then we yeah. played Burn- Burnley at home afterwards and we drew that game, uh, I think, or maybe won one nil, something like that, or drew one all. Um, so that was... But after that, we went on a fantastic run. Um, and just, Matt, I tell you, I think you're only ever as good as your strikers. And when you've got Vards and Nuge up front and the combination they had, and they're best of mates as well, so they love playing with each other. Once them two were firing on all cylinders, yeah, there was no way back really. Being QPR away as well helped, I think, because they were they were rivals of ours. So there was lots of times in the season where it felt like clicked, and we did, never really had a blip, um, which helped. And the team staying staying so consistently, then players just got used to playing with each other, which really helps. QPR away was that the squirrel incident when David Nugent starts chasing a squirrel? Yeah, it was. I think we won one nil. Vars scored. I think it was a squirrel. Yeah. I can remember that finish from Vardy as well. That was, I think that was the yeah. moment when I really thought, oh, he's, he, he could make the step up here because I think there was always a little bit, even in his own mind, there was some doubts about how he was going to cope. But um, he certainly answered all those doubts, didn't he? Yeah, well, I think I remember that more for actually, I think Nuge won the header uh, beat <laughs> to, to put him through. That's what I remember that more for. But uh, yeah, Vard's obviously fantastic player. I mean, how do you play against Jamie Vardy? He's quick, he's strong, he's fearless, he's a good finisher. Um, and that season really set him up, really, because I think it just... Vardy's got a real inner belief in himself. Really confident guy, funny guy, brilliant around the dressing room. But I think that just probably something clicked in his head that he realised what a player he was. Um, he's just gone on from there just to... But he's just he's just fearless. And, I, I, I mean, his pace, and uh, he's getting under Brendan, Brendan Rodgers now. 
I mean, his runs, he's making more clever runs. Um, his hold-up plays better. His understanding of the game is better. And he's just getting better and better every year. So, no, he's a brilliant player of ours. But what was he really like in the dressing room? We, we, we obviously hear little stories and little snippets of what he was like around the place, Mad Hatter and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> Yeah, he's, um, you had to be on your toes running around Vars. I was sat next to him in the dressing room, so I particularly had to be on my toes all the time. But um, no, he's a great guy. He was full of, just full of energy. Um, loved being around. He's a people person. Loved being around people. Um, laughing and joking all the time. Um, but yeah, just a great person to, to have around the dressing room. Um, never got down. Always lively. Yeah, but always up to a few pranks. So you had to be on your toes. Matt, what did you think of his emergence that season? Well, the same as everyone else, isn't it, Rob? He's, uh, you know, he burst onto the scene and well, what, what an extreme move. You know, to, I, I thought at the time, well, there's a lot of pressure on, on this fella. You know, coming from Fleetwood for the million pound that it was. But at the time, at Leicester, big club, you know, looking to, to push on. And I thought maybe that's, that's asking a bit too much to make that big step up. And it took a little while to settle in properly, didn't it? But once he got into his rhythm, you know, it, that, that, that's one particular aspect of, of Jamie's character that I'd tip my hat to is, is the way he's dealt with that transition, really. And then taking it on to another few levels. You know, it's incredible the way he's adapted. Because I know myself, I mean, Dean talks there about Jamie's, you know, confidence and conviction that he's you know he's going to succeed and he's got the best out of himself and that's most people look at that and think oh yeah well that's obvious you know that's that's the way forward sure surely you know it's a sensible route but it's not always that easy you know you go back yourself throughout my career you know in a different sense I never thought I'd be a professional footballer when I was 16 17 let alone ended up playing in the Premier League and international football. And it all seemed a bit weird to me. And that's my, my career was a steady, you know, very slow progression. And eventually I got to a decent level. But Jamie's gone in, you know, he's had knockbacks early in his career. Um, and, you know, he's, but he's still come through with that confidence and self-assurance about himself. And the, the way he's, he's pushed on and made the most of his career is, is exceptional. Absolutely, and that season, I mean, the previous season, the Watford playoff, I mentioned it right at the start of the, the, the show, he was on the bench, you know, he wasn't a regular, he wasn't going to, and then that season, the, the championship title winning season, he was so consistent, he, it felt like that was his light bulb moment uh, that season, and then he took it on into the Premier League, don't you think, Dean? Definitely, I think, the, the, like I said, the major thing that helped was his partnership with Nooch, um, yeah. them playing together, um, they learnt a lot off each other and the combination and um, the, between the friendship and um, the partnership on the pitch really helped him. And he learnt a lot off Nuge as well because Nuge is a quality player um, and they just felt at ease with each other. They loved playing with each other. Him getting into the Premier League, doing similar things, just, you know, his, his pace, he's, he's electric. I know it's easy to say and it's easy to see, but his pace is electric and he can do it for 90 minutes. He can sprint as quick as he can in the first minute as he can in the 90th. Um, and how he does that, I don't know. Um, but he's a really, he's a really good finisher. Um, you guys, know, guys will know more than me. But he doesn't need that many chances to score a goal. Left, right foot, brave with his head as well. So, and he wants to score goals as well, taking that responsibility. So, he's just getting better every year. I mean, I don't know how long he can play for, but he'll just keep keep playing because he's such a threat. And uh, 
he's loved at the club as well. And one thing he does do, he might not say as much. He loves he loves playing for Leicester. Well, yeah. You're turning down Arsenal to, to stay at Leicester. is It's a significant decision. There was one character I've got to ask you about because I never got to interview him in all the time he was at the club because he wouldn't do media and I was too scared to ask him. Vasileski, what, what sort of character was he? <laughs> Vas, Vas was class. I mean, you wouldn't want to cross him um, because uh, just, a, just a tough player, really tough. Um, worked one of the hardest working professionals I've seen in the gym before training, after the gym, um, worked hard in training, wanted to still improve after, you know, he was coming towards the back end of his career um, and had that horrible injury where he broke his leg. Um, but again, when he first came in, I was, he came at a similar time as me. I was staying at the Marriott Hotel and he was staying there and we used to drive in together and the conver- conversation used to be difficult, I must admit, for that 20 minutes <laughs> going into training. But no, he was um, a really good guy, settled into the dressing room and ended up being a bit of a legend. The lads loved him. Um, love to drink as well. Could drink, could oh, really drink. You you wouldn't want to drink stories. with Vass. Yeah, you wouldn't want to drink with Vass because he'd put you under the table. But um, no, good guy and a really really good player. Um, and I would suggest that you know he's a bit of a legend to the club now, especially with the players, just because of the effect he had. And he's still playing now in Poland as well. I hear that. Yeah, I don't know where, what level, and what club he's playing at, but I see he's still playing. He'll, Vass will Vass will definitely make the decision when it's time to. Uh, retire no one no one will tell him to retire put it that way so he'll uh he'll keep going he, he, he's another one we we were lucky in that dressing room because you don't get every dressing room where players every player loves football and i know it sounds silly but that dressing room you've got a lot of players that love playing football and love being in in that dressing room and, and at the club and i think that's one of the reasons why we were so successful of all those players in the, the, the modern era that have uh, brought success to Leicester City, Vasilevsky was the one that I thought would have fitted in perfectly in Martin O'Neill's team, Matt. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, just listening to Dean speaking about Vasilevsky there, and I was thinking, yeah, I'd, I'd like to have been alongside him on and off the pitch. He's, he's just got character written all over his face, hasn't he? Even if he can't speak, he, you knew he was going to be one of the boys. And um, we, yeah, we, we had a fair share of characters. And I think you could see that. In, uh, from from the era that Dean was talking about there, you know, in a not so um, well the recent past, um, you know, it, it looked there was personality about that team as well as ability, and you could see that there was a genuine bond, a genuine spirit when they won the championship, when they won um, the Premier League, of course, and you know, Dean could tell us better without a doubt, but. Um, I think that was evident. You know, some some teams play at it. They say, "Oh, yeah, we." Everyone says they've got a good spirit. You know, no one says they've got a bad team spirit. But it's you know, it's the, the the truth that matters really. And when it comes down to it, you see that reflected out on the pitch in people's performances. But you could see it just in and around the club. You could see it via the media that there there was something special about that group of players. Um, you know whether that was a credit to Nigel for you know part of his recruitment, whether it was intentional. Sometimes it just clicks, but I, I think you could see that it, it was evident, and uh, you know that, that that was a big part as well as the the ability that was out on the pitch. For me, that, that that's what seemed to take them through when it really mattered. What were the highlights for you of that campaign, Dean? I mean, my personal highlights of you was a performance at Huddersfield when I think we pretty much bossed the game for out and uh, you were quite integral to that. But was there any personal highlights for you? 
No, I mean, I enjoyed that game. I must admit, it was. Um, it was. Do, do you know what? It's, it sounds. It's difficult because you look back on it, and obviously, I was kind of the player that would come on maybe for the last 15, 20 minutes to shore the game up to make sure we won the game. The game had already been won, and that was that was my role. And to start with, it was it was difficult to accept that because I'd always played previously coming to Leicester. I'd been a consistent player, but I kind of settled into that role and and, and realised that that was an important role was to try and get us promoted. Um, but Huddersfield game, yeah, I enjoyed that. Um, scoring away at Wigan when we'd been on that um, we'd been on that really good run. Nigel would change the team and there was a lot of players coming in that felt as though they could try and prove a point and show that we were still good players. Um, we drew away at Wigan to keep that unbeaten run going. Um, so probably them two games are outstanding. But obviously the promotion, winning away at Bolton to... I don't know if that meant we got promoted or we were champions, uh, winning away at Bolton. Um, champions, I think. Yeah, just moments like that where you're celebrating together just meant more, if that makes sense. It was such a good group of lads that you were just so happy for everyone. It was nice because I think within the group, everyone respected everyone's position and everyone's role. So the players that were playing every week weren't looking down on players that weren't or weren't even in the squad. They could see that they were pushing them in training to try and make them better players. So there was, like Matt said, there was a real bond there and a real respect between each other that that helped us along the way. Hey, that sounds like the perfect role, Dean. That 20 minutes at the end, thank you very much. Pick up a little win bonus. You don't even feel stiff the next morning. Well, it used to be that, Matt. Yeah, because if you came on, it used to be, we used to have, obviously, uh, promotion bonuses, win bonuses, appearance bonuses. But you wouldn't get your appearance bonus unless you came on before the 75th minute. So you'd be looking up the clock going... Come on in. And then Nigel, like the 80th minute you're going, you're coming on, you think, really? 10 minutes? I'm not even going to get my appearance for you. But no, you used to, so I used to come on with 20 minutes to go, 25 minutes to go. It used to be. Um, and I settled into that role, really, and didn't like it to start, like I said. But no, I settled into that role, and it played a part in us winning some games. So there you go. Some great scenes of the celebration. I remember solve a, a mystery for me, were you? Uh, I remember there was a lot of uh, photos taken down the training ground after promotion was secured. You were celebrating before a training session, and there was a little chap on there that nobody knew who he was, but he was enjoying it in the celebrations. He was even in training kit. Who, who was that? That was Riyad's mate. So what's it? it was, yeah, it was Riyad's mate. So obviously Riyad come over from France where he was on his own, and I think that was he used to come into training sometimes. He'd been but I'm like you, the first time he was in the dressing room, I was like, oh, yeah, what's this? Just a random <laughs> lad coming into the dressing room. But no, he used to come in quite regular, to be honest. He'd be around the training ground and he'd be out on the pitch. And I thought the lads just dragged him out there, to be honest, for a bit of fun. But no, he was <laughs> Riyadh's mate. Um, we're going up to the uh, the Premier League, back in the big time. What, what a feeling for, for you guys going into that campaign. The excitement must have been incredible. Yeah, definitely. Um, it, was, it was an amazing time, obviously, winning... Because we had a lot of time finishing that championship season because we were promoted and champions to, to celebrate, really. Um, so we kind of got it out of our system quite early. And then we had the summer to think about it. We came back fit. Um, the club had made a couple of signings. Um, there was rumours of other signings come in, which obviously made it even more exciting. Um, and just a real hunger, between, like you mentioned before, Rob, there was young players in the squad that had come from bigger clubs previously and had a point to prove. Um, so yeah, real excitement around the around the club and within the squad to to, to taste the Premier League and see what it was all about. What about Cambiasso? Because he was the big summer signing, wasn't he? The the big figurehead sort of signing that came in, and 
it made it more tougher for you to get into the side because he formed such a good, strong partnership with Matty James. But what was it like having him around there? Brilliant. Um, obviously, when the, the rumours first come out that we were probably heard before anyone, the players didn't think it was going to happen. Um, but when he, he came into the building, um, really nice, really nice bloke. Personally, I got on really well with him. Had a good relationship with him. Um, learned a lot off him. Um, very professional, very focused um, towards game days. Wasn't wasn't lazy, but wasn't the best trainer. Um, but on a match day, was fantastic, um, and just just a really approachable guy. And he came in to to win as well. He's a winner. It, it was important to him being at Leicester. It was important that we achieved something that year of staying up. So, um, no, a really good signing for the club. What about Matty James? How did he flourish? With Cambiasso alongside him, because obviously since then he's he's been a guy that's just been cursed with bad luck. But that season, until the injury right at the end of the season, he was outstanding, wasn't he? And everybody was talking about an England call up. Well, he is. Matty James is such a talented player, like Drinky. They both come from Man United together. They were good friends. Um, they formed a good partnership in the Championship together. Um, but Matty James is a, a really talented player, and he's just been so unfortunate with injuries. When he's had a run together. Uh, running games together and he's performing and he's getting accolades and people are talking about him he seems to just get a freak injury um, and it takes him more time to get over that injury as well but no technically he's brilliant um, his awareness of the game is really good he's quicker than people think he's stronger than people think um, and him and Esteban formed a really good um, partnership and you know they're both very very good in possession of the football, very rarely give it away. And they make, the one thing they both do is they make really good decisions on the ball. Um, and, it, you know, they formed a good partnership together. Matt, like me, you obviously covering the, the club, following the club around the country that season. It felt like every game, they were coming away with nothing to show for their efforts. And they were always in games. They were so close in every game, but it would always be one little mistake, one little error that would cost them. Uh, what, what were your recollections? Yeah, it was it was fine lines, wasn't it? I, you, repeatedly, you you could hear Nigel after game saying we were in it right up to the death, and it just hasn't quite gone our way. And it's to the extent where some people were saying, "Oh, here we go again," you know, making excuses. But it was easy to to have that outlook, um, you know, from afar. But when you saw the games, as you mentioned, we were lucky enough to do so regularly. You knew he was talking sense. It wasn't a million miles off. They very rarely, if at all, got a got a shoe in, and it was just just coming up short. I was going to say naivety, but it wasn't even that. It, I don't know. You, you, you questioned perhaps the quality of the squad, but it was wrong to do that, really, because you knew the capability was there, and every now and then it came to the surface. And uh, obviously, we all know what happened. Um, I was going to say. I wasn't that surprised, but you you can't envisage seven wins out of nine at the back end of the season. But it was always there, you know, waiting to sort of kick into gear a little bit, not to the extent with which it did for the great escape. But um, you must have felt, Dean, didn't you? You weren't a million miles off, continue throughout that season. Yeah, exactly, Matt. That's what gave us hope. We had we had hope, and we still believed in ourselves, and we had hope just because of what you exactly said. We were in games. We never got a hiding, really. I think that season, the most we lost by was two goals. Um, we'd obviously won games earlier in the season, so we proved that we could win games. Um, but no, we just we were consistent training. There was you can get sometimes in in um, 
seasons and with different managers and groups of players that they're trying, right, we're not winning games, let's change everything, let's do something completely different. And Nigel wasn't like that. He was very consistent in what he did. Training stayed the same. Um, he made that one slight change where we changed the shape and went free, to the, free at the back, which helped us because we got two strikers up front, which mean uh, we could score goals. And one thing that did help when we knew that it was coming towards the end of the season. We just knew we had to win games. So it was just it was easier because we just had to go for it. It wasn't like, well, if we pick a point up here or we don't lose by too many here. We were just like, right, let's just go and win every game, try and score as many goals as we can, try and keep a clean sheet. I know it sounds simple and going back to basics, but that's what it was. Um, and it just worked and it was just an amazing end to the season. Um, and in the end, we were, we were flying, flying. We were winning games easy towards the end and it, we... We stayed up comfortably in the end, so um, really enjoyable season. Yeah, I think that was evident earlier in the season, as you say there. I think perhaps played with a little bit too much caution or respect for the opposition. <laughs> you know, regularly, I know you had some good, good wins and magnificent victories, wasn't you? The Man United game will go down in Leicester City history, won't it? And rightly so. But yeah, I thought sometimes it was a little bit of apprehension about how he played, because you thought, listen, if we expose ourselves there and we become a little bit open, we're going to get punished. And it's finding that balance, I suppose. But I found that myself as a player. And in my era, Dean, I came into the Premier League and I was thinking, am I going to be good enough? Are we going to be good enough as a team? And then we found out, you know what? You back yourself, you give it a go. You can hurt oppositions. And uh, yeah, myself, I ended up being able to play it and handle it at that level. And us as a team as well, we, we were going and hurting big name opposition regularly. And, you know, sometimes they get, these teams get built up in the press to be, you know, a little bit better than they are. And I yeah. think you found that out yeah. at that time of that season, didn't you? Definitely that. The teams, and the one thing they got, we got, Matt will know. Once you've got confidence, confidence is like magic. You become a different player and become a different team with that little bit of... We had the belief, we had the hope, but as soon as we had that confidence, there was no stopping us. And teams became fearful of us because, because we had no fear, because they knew that we were turning up to win games. We were going to put two players up front, we were going to go 3-5-2 and we were going to go for it. And teams like started to fear, oh Christ, they're actually going to come and win here. They're not coming for a point. They're not going to sit back. And that... That helped us. And the one thing that obviously changed, we started scoring goals again, which just, you know, you're not having to think, right, we've got to keep a clean sheet. So when you're scoring goals, you've always got a chance. Well, how influential was Robert Hooth when he came in on loan? Brilliant. Hoofy is, uh, I mean, you must have spoke to Hoofy many a time, but he's a great character, Hoofy. And he just brought that in, that Premier League experience. And I think, if I'm right, so he was, he'd been written off at Stoke um, with injuries and not playing. Um, and he came in, so I can't imagine that when he first came in, the Leicester fans were overly excited or anything like that. But he just, and he, he made Wes a better player, I think, as well. Wes is an exceptional player, really good captain. But he just gave Wes that extra bit of security and confidence that kind of marshaled him through games, maybe, with that, that Premier League experience. So Hoofy came in, done the simple things brilliantly by defending, heading, winning, leading. Um, but yeah, great character around the, around the group. And, and another player that loved to drink. So it was another player to the dressing room. So we all loved that, which was good. But no, he was, he was brilliant. 
This is sounding more and more like your mob, isn't it, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like I my know, exactly. mob. Yeah, it's just fast forward 15 years, isn't it? And uh, <laughs> hey, but we said before, Rob, you know, a happy camp is, and uh, a camp that likes to be sociable, shall we say, is, is quite <laughs> often uh, successful as well along the way. And that was always the case throughout my career at different levels, and it seemed similar with Dean. Yeah, we, but we do it at the right time, Matt. It was never a regular thing, but it was like we used to do. We'd have a t- we'd have a, a team uh, a team night out. Um, probably the game before the international break. So then you've kind of got two weeks without a game. So obviously the international players would go away, but we'd always go as a group. We'd make sure that everyone would go and everyone wanted to go. I think that's the difference. You can get a group of players where you arrange a team night out, and you'll get fifty percent of players that don't want to go. So what's the point? But it was different at Leicester. Everyone wanted to go. Everyone was part of things. And that's what made the group really close. And as well, the wives, to be fair, off the pitch were pretty close as well, which helped. Um, so, no, it was a good group. So how did you all cope with the departure of Nigel? That summer, the shock departure of Nigel. And then the even more shocking arrival of Claudio Ranieri at the time. Well, yeah, it was it was difficult, to be honest, Rob. Um and a shock. I mean, it was probably a shock for everyone um, that he'd left. I remember sitting at home and um, seeing it um, and thinking, right, I didn't see that coming. And then Shakes, the, 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 the good thing was that Shakes obviously stayed um, because obviously he knew the players, he knew the group. Um, and then Claudio coming in was, there was mentions of lots of different managers, but we'd done probably half of pre-season before Claudio come in. Uh, I think he first came in when we was in abroad somewhere um, training. Um, and the first week or so, he kind of just watched, uh, observed, didn't take training. Um, but yeah, Nigel leaving was was difficult because the players had such an affection with him, and we'd been had two seasons of pure success, really, getting promoted to the Premier League and then staying up in the Premier League with that great finish. We had momentum. We felt as though we could go into the new season to achieve something with Nigel as manager. But the club made a decision. Um, turned out to be obviously a good decision. Um, but yeah, they Nigel has to take a lot of credit for what happened that year and, and so does Claudio. So Claudio came in and he was great. So um, it worked out in the end. How long did you work with Claudio before you went to Sheffield United? Um, probably, I think I left to go to Sheffield United in September, October time. So a good few months. Um, and he was he was, a, he was a good guy, Claudio. Um, didn't play me, obviously, but he was good with me. And obviously, looking back in hindsight, I obviously wish I hadn't have left, but... Um, he never, he never suggested that I needed to leave. He never suggested I wasn't part of things. I was on the bench for the first couple of games of him in charge. I played the cup game. Um, so, no, but he was... The, I always say the best thing that Claudio did um, when he first came to the club was he he considered what we'd done the year before. Um, he spoke to Shakes. He spoke to Walsh. He spoke to the medical staff, the, the sports science. He understood what how we'd been successful in them last, you know, 10 games of the season. And the best thing he ever did was not change much because every new manager wants to come in and rip the squad up and bring in 10 players and spend money and change the training methods and change the system. And he didn't. I think we went back to 4-4-2 and that was the only thing he really changed. So that was, I would say, that's the best decision he made. And signing N'Golo Kante as well. Yeah, well, that helped because you're playing with probably <laughs> 15 players in because he'd done four players' jobs. But... Um, <laughs> Just another sign in that Leicester, the recruitment at Leicester is has been great for the club. But you know what a player, um, most polite player you'll ever meet. Um, very quiet, very um, private, but smiling all the time. 
Um, but no, what a player. Um, technically great, fit as anything, strong, quick, um, and just, yeah, just a great signing. I don't know whether the club realised what how good he was, um, but no, what a, what a player. I was going to say, as players, Dean, did you did you recognise that? You know, as soon as he walked through the door, you talk about all his attributes there. But I I remember him playing, coming on in a in a League Cup game early on, like wide left. Yeah, wide and Berry played wide left. Yeah, that was it, Berry. Yeah, correct. And you know, I was thinking, okay, is he a not a bit part player, but is he going to be a squad player that can fill in in different positions? But you know, it wasn't nailed on. Like you say, I think even the club and the, the the recruitment department were probably taken aback by just how good a player he was. 100%. When he first, I mean, the first training session he came in, he was buzzing around the place. You know, you, you wouldn't get a second on the ball and you're thinking, right, OK, um, he's got something here. But then obviously he moulded and he felt more comfortable. He showed different attributes to his game. But him getting the ball back and his, his sharpness and quickness, you could see that straight away. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why he played on the wing that game. Um, uh, just because he was so quick, um, but he was he settled in in the partnership he had with Drinky. I mean, it probably must have been the two smallest centre midfield players in the league. But they would never get out full. They would win the ball back. Both um, aggressive, both good on the ball. Uh, Kante was was an exceptional signing, and he had a brilliant, brilliant season. And would say he's one of the major, major reasons why we won the league that year. So you had a tough old time at Leicester, though, didn't you? Can be asso, can say, drink water, James, and to, to name just a few, isn't it? That's before we start talking about Andy King. But um, you did well to hang in there as long as you did. I think that's what it was, Matt. I think I was hanging in there. I was thinking, right, how long can I make this last? Um, but no, yeah, obviously, I had some competition for places, and uh, but you know, like, I thrived on that. I think it made me a better player. Um, I, I knew yeah. I had to work hard every day in training. I know it sounds boring, but that's what I had to do. I was trying to stay within the squad. I wanted to be part of a successful club that was going places. So I knew my role. I knew the reality of it. I knew I was competing against better players than me. But you know, it, it gave me a it gave me a, a buzz and it gave me um, a motivation to try and get in the in the uh, team or try and keep in the squad. So. I see it as a positive. Yes, it would have been nicer to play more games like we all would have done, but I had some good good players in front of me. So what was it like watching on uh, when you were out on loan as uh, the, the the miracle unfolded? Hard. Uh, honestly, yeah, it was difficult um, because, like I said, I wasn't forced out of the club. It was a, my, it was a known personal decision. I wasn't uh, suggested that I needed to leave, um, but I wanted to go and play games. Um, but no, it was it was difficult from the point of view more the fact that I felt as I where I'd been playing or in the squad, not in the squad, that I could have been around the place, I could have been part of this special moment at the club. Um, and things personally weren't going great for me at Sheffield United, so that made it even harder. But I was happy, really happy for the players, really happy for the club because Matt, I tell you, it's a it's a family club, it's a community club. It's a there's great people that work at that place, and it's a pleasure to go in every day. So. I could just picture what it would have been like going in every day, training, winning games, associating with the people. That was the hardest bit, really. And you look back now on your time in Leicester City, where does it stand? Where does it rank in your career? I loved it, Rob. I, honestly, I loved it. I, I, I didn't play as many games as I wish I'd done, but you know, I, I got a promotion. We won the championship. I played in the Premier League, which was always uh, my ultimate goal. Was when I was a youngster, as a professional, could I get to the top level? I did that with Leicester. Um, 
So no, I loved every minute of that. I met some really good people, played with some exceptional players and and enjoyed the ride really. Um, unfortunately, I jumped off too early, but um, no, I really, really enjoyed the ride and um, it was a privilege to play for the football club, so I loved it. And Matt, your memories of Dean playing for Leicester City, your beloved Leicester City? Yeah, well, listen, as, as Dean's just mentioned there, you know, it's a great club to be involved in and... Uh, you know, it's slightly frustrating from Dean's point of view. The, 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 but we've we've just spoken about like the level of competition that he was up against in that time at Leicester, and uh, you know, just to be in the fold is an achievement itself, isn't it? And you say uh, you achieved your boyhood dream playing in the Premier League, and you know, a club of the stature of Leicester City is is, is some achievement. And uh, but you know, you've had a great career throughout, haven't you? And as highs and lows as it is with any individual, but um, you can still the, the passion's still there, isn't it, Dean? Have you finally decided <laughs> or not? Have you, you know, has this rekindled the fight, the flames? Speaking about, <laughs> you know, what it's like Matt. We all think we can play forever, don't we? So when I've got them young boys running around me, I don't. I might feel a bit different, but no, there's there's something there. There's something there. I, I feel as I need to find out, um, just because I left the game. I made the choice to live the game. I didn't leave because of injury or because I didn't feel as though I could do it anymore. I'd made a, a family decision. So there's something that I need to probably find out. So maybe I'll come back next year. We'll see. If someone will have me, put it that way. Well, well I'm sure they will at one level or another. But it, it is strange. I know we touched on it earlier, Rob, but just a quick one on the retirement side. I mean, I, I thought it, it, it was my time. Physically, my knee was struggling and... Uh, had to face facts, but I thought I could have played on for a couple of years. Like you, Dean, I had even less pace to lose. Well, you're still keeping fit as well, aren't you, Dean? Because you're doing your uh, online fitness classes? Yeah, so yeah, I've set up some classes as we're all stuck at home. Um, to just, I love, I love my fitness. I love keeping myself fit. I've set up a page, which is Dean Hammond's Elite Fitness. Um, I do that three times a week. Um, I'm doing a few football drills and exercises and skills and workouts for kids as well um so no i'm really enjoying that um and we're all adapting to the way of the world at the moment so it's something to keep us occupied and busy but no it's something that i love doing i love my fitness and if i can pass on and help a few people along the way um that would be brilliant so yeah i'm keeping myself fit Wonderful. Dean, thank you very much for joining us on 5,000 to 1 today. It's been fantastic to listen to, you, to your stories from that period. It was a fantastic period, the greatest period in the, the club's history. It even eclipses the Martin O'Neill era, doesn't it, Matt? Oh, yeah, hands up. Shaded it. Shaded it, didn't they, with the uh, Premier League. Can't compete with that, mate. The Wormington Cup comes nowhere, does it? But uh, no, well done to the lads. Well done to Dean on uh, everything he achieved. Thank you very Thanks, much, guys. Matt, as well. Cheers, Jess. Thank you, Dean. And thank you for listening to 5000 to 1. We'll see you next time.